Well, this morning we've already heard two wonderful sermons preached. When scripture is read with understanding like that, it's powerful. Let's pray together. Dear hide-and-seek God, may your Holy Spirit empower us to join what you are already doing in our world and help us to find you in the very people for whom you care in a very special and tender way. And we pray this through our dear, dear Lord Jesus, who showed us how. Amen. Well, it hasn't exactly been a quiet week here in our hometown, or our nation, or our week, has it? Think about the last week. On Monday, we needed to call 911 at our community meal. And then there was a caucus meltdown in Iowa, a bitter impeachment battle in Washington, and a soaring death toll from the coronavirus in China. In one of our second hour classes last week, we talked about the huge, huge temptation that we all feel right now to check out and to disengage from our world because it feels so belligerent and ugly and violent and cruel. Amen? Amen. Anybody tempted to check out? And in that class, I'm a new believer in our gathering for these conversations together. In that class, we confess to one another that trying to walk in the alternative way of Jesus right now feels like we're part of a losing cause. It feels. I said it feels. Oh, dear God, we still believe, but help our unbelief. Ever feel that way? So friends, if you're coming here today struggling to find hope in our world, congratulations, you've come to the right place. Because in the Bible, from the beginning to the very end, we meet a God who is working, ever working, to create a contrast community to the violent, greedy, and racist empire around us. A God who is creating a community that is saltily different and luminously attractive. Salt and light. The reality is that tumultuous times like we are in, and we are in tumultuous times with a very difficult year ahead. 
whether our times or those of the prophet Isaiah or of Jesus or of Menno Simons, take a look at the bulletin cover today. All of these tumultuous times challenge us to go deeper and to ask ourselves and to ask each other what is really at the heart of our faith. I mean, throw away all the peripherals. What is the core? What is God's deepest desire for us as human beings? How do we need still to change? What does true religion really look like? We're asking those questions right now. And in our day, this ongoing conversation that we're a part of pops up in some especially unlikely places. Not long ago in Vanity Fair, I don't usually read that, but a Vanity Fair reporter asked the comedy actress Whoopi Goldberg, to name the person that she, the living person she most admires. And her answer was Pope Francis. Why? The reporter asked. Because he's going with the original program. <laughs> he may not be perfect, she said, but he's going with the original program. You hear it? You see, after Jorge Mario Bergoglio, I practice that. (laughs) YouTube is fun sometimes. After he became Pope Francis, another bishop leaned over and whispered in his ear, Don't forget the poor. And this dear man, to his credit, has not. Pope Francis moved into a modest apartment instead of the lavish papal palace. He kept wearing his same old shoes instead of the luxurious red shoes of his predecessor, who was sometimes called the Prada Pope. And every year at Maundy Thursday, the world has seen Pope Francis down on his knees, washing the feet of inmates and immigrants and then humbly kissing their feet. Would people in our world feel so alienated from the church and from God if this were their very first picture they thought of when they thought of what God's people really look like? A church on its knees kissing people's feet. Instead of demonizing refugees as criminals. Instead of carrying around signs about who God hates. Lord have mercy. 
These past two Sundays, we've been hearing two of the great, great Jewish prophets asking us again and again, what's the original program? Last week, the prophet Micah put it this way, what does the Lord require? And his response, to do justice, to love kindness and mercy, And underneath those words is chesed, steadfast love, to love steadfast love. And to walk humbly with our God. And by the way, this is our dear Clayton Charles' life verse. Isn't that wonderful? It has guided him like a beacon, like a shining light for 90 years of faithful living. Thank you. And today, the prophet, poet, Isaiah, weighs in as well. Is God pleased with all our religious busyness and our scrupulous fasting? No. And then suddenly we realize, did you hear that in the reading? That suddenly it's no longer Isaiah who's speaking, but God who's speaking. What I'm really interested in, God says, is seeing you do this. Sharing your food with the hungry. Inviting the homeless poor into your home. Wow. I've never done that. Inviting, putting on clothes on the shivering naked and being available to your families. And then God says this, as you move toward those at the margins of your city, of your families, you will find me. See verse 9, as we move toward those in need, God, almost like a kid playing hide and seek, will shout out, here I am, here I am. That's right. As we move toward those in need, we will find God in our neighbor and they will find God in us. And God, who may have felt absent until then, will suddenly become remarkably real to us. Here I am, here I am. Last year, Monday, I'd already been percolating on this passage, and especially those three words, here I am. When I showed up at our community meal, you could say under the influence of Scripture, which is how we're supposed to live, under the influence. And after the opening welcome and the prayer in our lobby, folks then began heading down to our fellowship hall for a very delicious meal of haystacks, lovingly prepared by the Shirk family and friends from the Living Light congregation. Thank you. And in the midst of this, there was suddenly a commotion. 
On the lobby stairs coming right up here to the sanctuary, someone called me over, and sitting there was a hunched-over woman in her 20s. She was nursing a partly open wound above her eye where she had been hit a day or two before. And within moments, Becky Knoll and Claudia Smucker were on the scene, kneeling down at eye level before this woman and tenderly ministering to her with their gentle words and touch and presence. Would people in our world be so alienated from the church and God if this were their very first picture of what God's people really look like? Monday night, many, in our, many of our community friends saw our church on its knees as they went down for supper and then as they headed out into the night to go home. That night we finally called an ambulance so that this woman could receive the medical care she needed. And as the flashing lights faded away, we were left with a million questions, maybe more. Where would this woman stay after she was treated? Would she be safe? What would become of her? And amidst all of our questions, I could also hear God quietly whispering, Here I am. Here I am. Welcome to my world. As you draw near to the little ones that I love, you will find me. This is my original program. This is what being the church is all about. The Jesuit priest and writer Greg Boyle puts it this way, Our job is not to rescue or to save the poor, but to draw near to them. I think that's good news for us. Our job is not to romanticize the poor, but to recognize that some essential piece of our own salvation and healing is tied up in our proximity to those at the margins. Last Monday night, I doubt there was a single chestnutter who didn't go home with our hearts newly broken. With new gratitude for the roof over our own heads. With a new sense of purpose and meaning in life with a new burden to pray for this woman and for others, with a new feeling, in spite of all of this mess, of feeling strangely alive, awake. Is this maybe what Isaiah means when he talks about our parched places being satisfied? 
of feeling like a watered garden. In his Sermon on the Mount today, Jesus uses vivid word pictures to describe what a contrast community living out God's original program will look like in our broken world. He's inviting our church and every faith community to be a living sign of God's coming future. And so he says, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. And every one of these yous, by the way, in the original Greek, is plural. In other words, we have to imagine that Jesus is from Georgia and he's saying, y'all! Really, it's very important. Y'all are light and salt together. And the crucial thing about salt and light is that they are functional metaphors. In other words, they have absolutely no use on their own. Who eats salt? But only are useful by their impact on the surrounding environment. You see, salt is meant to season food. Light is meant to push back the darkness. East Chestnut Street Mennonite Church is meant to be in loving relationship with our vulnerable neighbors. I'm reminded of a story we heard here at our church last fall. Do you remember that when Bob and Nancy Martin first arrived at our church 23 years ago, They were invited to share a few words about how they approach life. Do you remember what they said? We try to find ways to stay in touch with people in need. For their 56 years of married life, they knew that an essential part of finding God in this world is tied up in our proximity to those at the margins and our kinship with them. And yesterday, it was such a joy to think about all the ways that you folks are doing this these days. Caring for an aging neighbor, visiting inmates in prison, bringing music to kids, walking with those struggling with mental illness, finding housing for the homeless, canceling medical debt, and ministering to those who are dying. Y'all are salt and light together. Stephanie's going to now lead us in singing This Little Light of Mine. You probably heard Julian riffing on this earlier already. But let's sing this song together, not as individuals, 
as Lone Rangers, but as the faith community that we are together. East Chestnut is a community where we all bring our little flickering lights to shine so much more brightly together with the light of Christ. A light that no darkness can ever extinguish. And remember this. The darker the world around us becomes, the brighter and more attractive the light becomes that is still bravely shining. Amen.